When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. What's up, you guys? I'm Andrea. And I'm Haley. And you're listening to Inhuman, a true crime podcast. approached me about starting a podcast way back when uh, on the Cleveland kidnappings and the two of us were you know brainstorming about what we wanted to call whoops call our podcast I remember the word that popped into my head thinking about what Ariel Castro did to those young women and that was inhuman Mm -hmm. by definition that word means that he lacked any human qualities such as compassion and mercy And he was the epitome of cruel and barbaric. Yeah. I remember the visceral reaction I had hearing the details of that case. And today's case, I had that same reaction. Oh, gosh. And that same word popped into my head. Because what this woman did to her family was truly beyond cruel and merciless. Oh, no. This is a very... I don't know. This this case is very tough. And okay. and I know we say that a lot, but this case really just just so many things could have could have gone differently for these kids and it just mm. makes me un, unbelievably sick to my stomach. On March 26th, 2018, 38-year-old Jennifer Hart drove her entire family off a 100-foot cliff into the Pacific Ocean in Mendocino, Mendocino California. Yeah, Mendocino. Okay. What the fuck? What police initially believed to be an accident quickly turned into a murder-suicide investigation. Oh, no. Okay. Jennifer Jean Hart was born in Huron, South Dakota on June 4th, 1979. She was the oldest of three siblings. She had two younger brothers. Jennifer enjoyed playing the trumpet at church on Christmas services She defied barriers by playing boys basketball rather than girls, or excuse me, boys baseball rather than girls softball. I love that. When her parents, when her parents, when she was 12, her parents divorced and the children all went to live with their mother in the blue house where she grew up. Okay. In 1997, she graduated from Huron High School. And after high school, she enrolled in the Augustana University, which is a Lutheran school in Sioux Falls. Oh, okay. She was not raised Lutheran, but sought it out and later was baptized. However, after one semester, she ended up transferring to Northern State University, where she studied early childhood education. Oh, nice. There she met Sarah Margaret Gingler, who was a resident assistant at the university. Sarah grew up in Big Stone City, Minnesota. Sorry, I just had to say it like that. Hopefully no one gets offended, but I love Minnesota accents, so don't come for me. (laughs) 
she too was the oldest of three siblings which is kind of cool that i guess her and her her friend um not her friend but you know you know where this is going yeah yeah. um she was studying special education at northern state university and graduated in 2002 jennifer on the other hand did not finish school but she ended up leaving when sarah graduated okay at first jen and sarah had family and friends believing that they were platonic friends or roommates According to a Facebook post on Jen's page, when the couple finally did come out, they were met with disapproval and lost friends because of it. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, that's not okay. Like, it, it, whatever you think and whatever you feel, it's not, it's, it has nothing to do with you. It's between no. them and God or them and whoever they believe and yeah. it has nothing to do with you. So just stay in your lane. I agree. Nonetheless, the couple would go on to marry in 2009 in Connecticut, where gay marriage was legal, as in most states it was not back then. Right. And Sarah took Jen's last name, which was Hart. Okay. So now let's backtrack a little bit and discuss when the Hearts began fostering and adopting children. In 2004, Jen and Sarah fostered a 15-year-old girl. According to co-workers of the two who were working at Herberger's at the time, which is, I guess, like a um, retail store, they complained frequently about the girl. Oh. Now in her late 20s, the now grown woman recalls how Jen and Sarah told her of their plans to adopt three more children and how she would be a big sister to them. And she was, you know, excited about that. Okay, yeah. But then one day, out of nowhere, the hearts dropped their foster daughter off at a therapist's office and never returned what and she never heard from jen and sarah ever again <gasps> isn't that insane okay that's so messed up like what the hell why like don't even do it then yeah i know then in 2006 jen and sarah fostered and eventually adopted three siblings from colorado city texas Those children were 7-year-old Marcus, 4-year-old Hannah, and 2-year-old Abigail. Then, in 2008, they adopted three more siblings, 5-year-old Devante, 4-year-old Jeremiah, and 3-year-old Sierra. And this set of siblings was from the Houston, Texas area. Okay. Devante, Jeremiah, and Sierra... And the oldest child, Dante, had been in the care of their aunt, Priscilla Celestine, or Celestine, um, who was actually the sister of their biological father. And their biological father was in prison at the time. Oh, okay. And after a caseworker visited their home in December of 2006 and discovered that their mother was there babysitting the children while their aunt was at work, they were taken and placed in foster care. Okay. <sighs> Which is so frustrating to me because it's like, yeah, people fuck people fuck up, okay? And yeah. like sometimes it's it's not okay. I mean, it's never okay when it comes to children, like to neglect children or to hurt children. Um, but people can change. People can get better. And like obviously, this mother desperately wanted to see her children and be a part of their lives. Yeah. And their aunt like had no, like no one else to help with the kids. Yeah. So it's just ridiculous to me that they were just, like, yanked out of her care, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. The system's very messed up. and It is. There's a lot wrong with it, but that just makes me so sad. 
Well, this next part is going to make you even sadder because Dante, who was the oldest of the siblings, was not adopted or was not fostered or eventually adopted by the couple. What? And I believe that this was due to um, Dante acting out violently when the state removed him from his home, which like, duh, I mean... Yeah. Why wouldn't he? Yeah. You know, not that especially it's being that the right old. Thing. Like, yeah, you're you're not just a kid going along with it. Like your whole, I mean, your whole life is changing regardless of when that happens. But I feel like as an as an older kid, you're aware right. more of what's going on. Oh yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, in the years that followed, Dante would follow the path that social workers refer to as the foster care to prison pipeline. The fact that that's even a thing. Isn't that disgusting? Oh my like, God. That makes me so sad. I know. And Dante would end up being heavily medicated, shuffled between foster homes and shelters, institutionalized in a psychi- psychiatric hospital, and placed for years in a restrictive treatment center. <gasps> oh, that's not okay. I know. According to theappeal.org, Tammy Shurick the biological mother of Marcus, Hannah, and Abigail. Uh, She relinquished her rights in 2004 after being charged with medical neglect and hadn't seen her children in 15 years. She also uh, allegedly suffered from borderline personality disorder as well as severe depression. Devante, Jeremiah, and Sierra's mother, Sherry Davis, who had her children taken from her due to a cocaine addiction, spent years trying to get clean so she could hopefully get her children back. Hmm. Over the years, while the children were in the parental custody of the hearts, their life on the outside, like to the outside world, looked pretty perfect. Yeah. They were the poster family of forward thinking and inclusion. I mean... How often do you see a white lesbian couple with six black children? Which, yeah. if I didn't mention, all six of the adopted children were black. Okay, yeah. Those closest to the couple said that Jen and Sarah dedicated their lives to raising the six children in a socially conscious atmosphere that co- that focused on love and acceptance. Yeah. Jen became a stay-at-home mom while Sarah worked, and Jen loved to share their seemingly perfect lives on social media. She would often take to Facebook to share photos of their family adventures, as well as accomplishments from the children. She had a pretty huge presence online, honestly. But it didn't take long for the red flags to fly. In September of 2008, while the family was living in Alexandria, Minnesota, Hannah, who was six at the time, went to school with bruising on her arm. When asked by a teacher about the marks, Hannah said that her parents had whipped her with a belt. Oh my god. Yeah. When Jen and Sarah were asked about this incident, they told the investigator and social worker that Hannah had fallen down the stairs. Which, come the fuck on. That's like the tale as old as time in abuse especially with children or even domestic violence or whatever they fell down the stairs yeah no they didn't fall down the fucking how many times do people actually fall down the stairs and get bruises like that exactly so no charges were filed but soon after the hearts took all six of their children out of school for nearly a year before re-enrolling them the following fall then in november of 2010 so basically A little over two years later, 
Abigail, who also happened to be six at this time, told her teacher that she was having pain in her stomach and back. Her teacher discovered that she had bruises stretching from her sternum to her navel on her on her stomach. That's not coming from falling down any stairs. No. Abigail said that Jennifer had hit her with a closed fist, <gasps> put her head in a cold bath, then hit her again. Oh my god. She was then grounded, which meant she had to stay in bed and miss lunch, according to the police report. Wow. Sarah confesses to police that she, not Jen, spanked Abigail while she laid over the edge of the bathtub because of the child's naughty behavior. Sarah is then charged with malicious malicious punishment of a child and misdemeanor domestic assault, according to Minnesota court records. Okay. The very next day, all six of the Hart children are taken out of school and they never returned again. Now, why wasn't that investigated? You know what I mean? Like, you can't just rip your kids out of school after an incident like that. No, especially, like, it's weird enough to just rip your kids out of school, but it happens. But after an incident like that, why, Mm -hmm. why is it not looked into? Yeah, because of the foster care system and... All that, you know, leads up to that. Yeah. They just don't do their due diligence. In November of 2014, the family gains national media attention when a picture of Devante, who was 12 at the time, is photographed hugging a white police officer during a Black Lives Matter protest in Portland, Oregon, following the grand jury's decision not to indict the officer who killed Michael Brown, which was the unarmed black man in Ferguson, Missouri. Okay. I'm sure you probably remember that yep. when all that transpired. And you, I, you might even remember the photo because I definitely do. And I do. When yeah. I connected that to this case, like I wow, physically yeah. got sick, like yeah. physically got sick to my stomach. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. In the photo, Devante is captured crying and while this seems touching to many and is reported in all these different you know sources that it's like this touching photo to me it's disturbing yeah because in my mind he's 12 years old and he was a very intelligent little boy like he was super smart and like super um like artistic and just had like a lot going for him but I don't think he had the capacity to truly understand like what was going on and like what it meant so I personally in my opinion 
feel as though he was forced to go up and hug that officer and he was probably scared shitless. Yeah. Being a black being a black male, 12 years old or not, after what had just happened. Just ha- yeah. And it Absolutely. makes me like furious that they made him do that because I guarantee fucking tea they made him do that shit. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with you. Yeah. So the photo of that hug went viral and the Oregonian newspaper called it the hug shared around the world. Wow. And he actually, so I didn't put this in my notes, but um, he actually was pictured again in a separate viral photo holding a sign that said like free hugs. And I feel like there's I like, remember that. There's like video footage of people just like walking up, obviously pre pandemic, but uh, you know, walking up to him and like giving him hugs. And like he looks, he looks genuinely happy in these, in these photos and videos. Yeah. Um, but again, I definitely think that it was not his idea to do that. It was his, I his think mother, you're right. his parents. Yeah. In May of 2017, Jennifer and Sarah Hart moved to Woodland, Washington which is in Clark County, and they purchased a beautiful two-story, three-bedroom home on two acres of land, which sounds wow. dreamy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. Their neighbor, Bruce DeKalb, said that the family was very private, private and mostly kept to themselves. That is until an incident in August or September of that same year. Around 1.30 in the morning, a small, frightened little girl wrapped in a fleece blanket rang their doorbell. There were twigs in her hair, and Bruce noticed as he opened the door that her front teeth were missing, and she frantically explained to the couple that she lived next door and had jumped out of her second-story window. What? For a little girl to jump out of a window? That had to have been not good. Like, yeah. Well, luckily she wasn't hurt, but still, like, what what caused her to do that? Exactly. So she pleaded with them, please hide me. They whip us with a belt. <gasps> and in the the source that I read, like, she, like, he answered the door and she said that to him. And then she just completely bypassed him and ran upstairs to find the wife. Wow. And was upstairs. And then... It wasn't long uh, before Jen and Sarah and a few of their other children were searching for her with flashlights in the yard, and they actually barged into the DeCab's home. Oh, my God. And went upstairs and found Hannah. I'm sorry, but that's a sign that you're doing something wrong, because if your daughter was, because I'm guessing they're going to try to say that she's lying or something, mm-hmm. you would be frantically searching and, like, knock on the door and be like, have you have you seen her not barging in and grabbing her and taking her out like yeah oh so like i said hannah was the little girl who was pleading for help and she was 12 years old at the time but dana decab which is the wife she remembers her looking much younger and if you recall i said she was missing her front two teeth yeah i was gonna ask how old she is because uh, you have all your teeth by the time you're oh yeah 10 yeah, I mean, your front two if teeth are growing that. back at, by, like, what, eight, seven, six, seven, eight, depending yeah. on the person. But, yeah, by 12, you definitely have your front teeth back. Okay. So that's another red flag, in my opinion. So the next day, the whole family came to the DeCab's home, and Hannah gave them a handwritten letter that read, quote, Dear Dana and Bruce, 
I stopped this morning because I feel awful about disturbing your peace and worrying you in the middle of the night. I was very frustrated with my brother and didn't handle things very maturely, and I'm sorry for telling lies to get attention. Mm-hmm. I'm working on being more honest and finding better ways to communicate my frustrations. I've been sad about two of our cats dying recently, so I was just really sad and frustrated last night. Thank you for being so kind, Hannah. Uh, That doesn't sound like a 12-year-old wrote it. Yep, and those were the exact words of Dana Mm -hmm. when she was interviewed later after the fact. She said, there's no way Mm -hmm. that a 12-year-old wrote that letter. Yeah, no. So a few months later, Steve Frockvich, I believe is how you say that, who was Dana DeKalb's father, reported this particular incident to police. He said he felt that the kids were being highly abused and recounts how Hannah had jumped out of a second story window in search for help. Yeah. Okay. In March of 2018... The DeCabs yet again meet another heart child seeking help. According to Bruce, Devante, who is the little boy from the viral mm-hmm. photo, began coming over asking for food and saying that they were taking meals away from him due to punishment. Oh my God. He said, quote, it started out as one time a day and escalated up to three times a day until a week went by and we decided that we needed to get professional help. Wow. I know. And you know, it's interesting. Well, I don't know if it's interesting to you, but Matt and I watch um, Atlanta, the show Atlanta with, um, it's a really good show. It's really funny, but it's like serious too. Um, But it's got uh, Childish Gambino. What's his name? Mm -hmm. Um, Glover. uh, Donald? Donald Glover? Danny? Donald Glover. Danny Glover's Donald. I don't know. I'm bad with names. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Donald. Um, and there's a, a whole episode that is basically um, like based on this case, but it doesn't say oh, wow. any of the names. It doesn't say like like almost to a T, except for wow. the kids get a, the kids get away. Okay, let's see. So they reported the incident to Child Protective Services, and on March twenty third, two thousand eighteen. The Washington State Department of Social and Health Services opened an official CPS investigation in which the Hart children were, quote, identified as potential victims of an alleged abuse or neglect. Okay, so that should have been a really good thing. Yeah. So they visited the Hart home and attempted to speak with Sarah and Jennifer Hart, but they were unsuccessful. According to some sources, Jen was home but did not open the door. You can't just ignore CPS. Yeah, well, she fucking did, so... The next day, Sarah Hart sent a text message to her friend and co-worker, Cheryl Hart, which is no relation to the Hart family. Oh, okay. Saying that she was sick, and she was so sick that she might have to go to the hospital. Sarah had sent the text around 3 a.m., and after this, Cheryl never hears from Sarah again. Okay. The family then travels in their 2003 GMC Yukon to Newport, Oregon. They then travel along the US 101 until they reach Leggett, California. Then they take State Road or State Route 1 until reaching Fort Bragg, California around 8 p.m. Okay. 
Which is weird because we have a Fort Bragg in North Carolina. Yeah. So I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I've never heard of Fort Bragg, California. Yeah, I don't know. And the... Or on March 25th, Jen is caught on surveillance footage shopping at a Safeway in the Fort Bragg area. And the family remains in Fort Bragg until about 9 p.m., but their movements at that point, or past that point, are not known. Okay. On March 26th, 2018, Sarah's friend and coworker Cheryl calls into Clark County Police and requests they do a welfare check on the family because she had grown concerned because she hadn't talked to Sarah for several days and Sarah hadn't shown up to work. Especially because she had called once to say I'm not coming in tomorrow. You'd think she'd continue calling out sick if that's what was going on. And she tells her, hey, I might be going to the hospital. So, like, I'd be freaking out, too. Like, oh, my God, are you okay? Like, yeah. What's going on? Exactly. So police arrive at their home, but again, no one answers the door. And the same day, coincidentally enough, the Washington State Department of Social and Health Services attempted to make contact with the Hart family again, but obviously were unsuccessful. And tragically, their efforts were too little too late. Mm. On Tuesday... March 26, 2018, a German tourist. Tourist. It's tourist. I say tourist. Okay. Driving along the scenic route of Highway 1 in California came upon a shocking scene. No. There, lying upside down in the jagged rocks on the shore of the Pacific Ocean, was the Yukon owned by the Hart family. Okay. Authorities were contacted, and upon arrival, they made a gruesome discovery. The bodies of Jennifer and Sarah Hart were found inside. Not far from the grisly scene... Ugh, I'm gonna cry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Three of their adopted children, 19-year-old Marcus, 14-year-old Jeremiah, and 14-year-old Abigail, were also found deceased. The three oh remaining children, 15-year-old Devante, 16-year-old Hannah, and 12-year-old Sierra, were nowhere to be seen. What? It wasn't long after the discovery of the initial three children that a fourth child, Sierra, would be found and confirmed deceased. In the same area, like around the car crash? Yeah, because they were right by the, I mean, it was like basically in the ocean, like, you know how California, all the cliffs and everything. Yeah, okay. Ten months after the crash, authorities would confirm that they had identified the partial remains of 16-year-old Hannah. A motorist spotted a partial foot inside a shoe that was attached to a pair of jeans near the crash site initially the results were inconclusive but a dna test obtained later on from hannah's biological mother helped authorities determine that the remains were in fact hannah's according to mendocino county sheriff's office okay sweet precious Devante to this day has never been recovered and police suspect that he was met with the same foul play as his siblings so, now, you're probably wondering the same thing that I am. What the actual fucking hell would cause a mother, and I use that term very loosely, mm-hmm. to do such horrific things to her children? According to some, they were completely shocked to hear the news of what happened. They stated that Jen and Sarah were regarded by all who knew them as caring and devoted parents who dedicated their lives to raising the six children in a socially conscious atmosphere that focused on love and acceptance yeah friends refer to them as 
the Hart tribe because of their tight bond and their appearance oh. on social media and at rallies and you know all kinds of different things festivals oh. everything because they were very yeah. active in the communities that they lived in right However, according to other accounts, Jennifer had completely cut herself off from nearly all of her family, aside from her, you know, children and her wife. Mm -hmm. On social media, she portrayed this perfect life she shared with Sarah and their children, but that contrasted the isolation and restrictions that some close to the Hart family witnessed. Yeah. She made claims that from age 20 on, she felt targeted for being a lesbian and, you know, eventually adopting six children of color and for speaking out on their behalf. Jen, Jen claimed that uh, due to the attention the family had gotten in 2014 for the viral photo of Devante, paired with the 2016 presidential election where she and her family rallied for Bernie Sanders... People allegedly began stalking the family's home and placed threatening things in their mailbox. However, nothing was ever reported to police. Okay, if that was true, that is not okay. But what's also not okay is falsely claiming that this type of stuff is happening to you because that type of stuff does happen to people. Yeah. And that's not okay. don't cry wolf, yeah. Yeah. So a statement made by Nusheen Bakhtar, a close friend of Hart's since, of Jen Hart's since 2013, stated that no matter how much people loved Jen, she always felt very isolated and alone. After the incident, a search warrant was released and investigators were able to search the Hart family home, hoping possibly there would be some insight as to why this happened. According to Clark County Sheriff's Office, the detective on the case, Joe Swenson, started or stated in his report that, quote, upon entering the home, it was found to be extremely clean and organized, giving a perception of being very sterile and orderly and orderly. Okay. Nothing seemed out regarding any belongings, toys, or entertainment the children may have owned. There was very little to show that children had access to any toys or items of entertainment, save for some board games found in the downstairs family room and there were six children mm-hmm. and granted some you know most of them i guess were teenagers but still like no video games no books yeah no like i have two dogs and you can tell that dogs live in my house like yeah yeah there's no reason that you can tell that that you can't tell that six children live there yeah i mean i I have three kids and you barely cannot tell, you barely can tell that adults live here because I have so much kid shit, you know? Exactly. Another detective wrote in an incident report that it was difficult to distinguish which rooms belonged to the children. That's so sad. The investigators do not believe that the California trip had been planned because they saw several suitcases stacked on top of each other in the garage and noted that the bags would have likely been packed if they were planning a trip. Right. Especially if the house is so, like, organized and orderly, you think they'd, like, be prepared for a trip and pack. Yeah. The refrigerator, as well as, like, fruit on the counter, was fully stocked to the hilt. Okay, you don't do that before going on a trip. Yeah. And just to note, which I kind of, I guess a little bit, like, kind of touched base on it very briefly about how small Hannah was. All of the children looked significantly 
younger and smaller than their ages. Um, and I I fully believe that's because that they were being withheld food. Yeah. And even in, like, doctor's reports that they, you know, investigate later on, the doctors say that all the children are small for their ages, but otherwise relatively healthy. Hmm. Okay. But, like, what are the odds that they're all small? I mean, they're from two totally different families. Right. They don't have the same... If, like, the siblings were all small, that'd be one thing. But all of them, that yeah. there's definitely something going on in their environment for that. And Devante, Jeremiah, and Sierra, their dad was, like, huge. I mean, he was, oh, like, okay. super tall, like a big dude, you know, like... Right. Huh. So it just, okay, so there's it definitely just doesn't add up on. to me. Yeah. Police also retrieved computers, credit card, and bank statements from the home. They noted in their report that there was no suicide note left. Okay. They found a cat and several chickens and ducks, and they took them from the home. But the two dogs that lived there were not present. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't know. I'm assuming they probably, like, ran away, took them to a shelter. Yeah, I I assume they probably took better care of their dogs than they did their children. Um, Yeah, which is not okay, but. No, absolutely not. I can't handle things that happen to to dogs, so. Yeah, me either. Me either. But also more so, I can't handle things. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know. So on April 13th, the Mendocino County Sheriff's Office announced that the toxicology reports showed that Jennifer Hart was pretty intoxicated at the time of the crash. Okay. She had a blood alcohol level of 0. 0.102. <gasps> And in the state of California, anything higher than 0.08 is considered legally drunk. Wow. That's a high. Mm-hmm. Wow. Further testing also showed that Sarah and three of the children had a significant amount of the ingredient in Benadryl that is known to cause drowsiness. No. Which, I mean, like, maybe that's better that they didn't, like, know what was going on, you know? Yeah. I suppose. But that also is, like, what were you planning like, you were clearly planning this. Oh, yeah. Premeditated. Maybe not. We don't know the time. We don't know anything, really, yeah. as to why this happened. But California Highway Patrol Officer Jake Slates, who was the lead investigator on the case, testified that by his calculations, Marcus had taken the equivalent of more than 19 doses, Abigail had taken 14 doses, and Jeremiah had taken more than 8 doses of basically generic Benadryl. Okay, I was because I was gonna say, could it have been like something for car sickness or something like that? But clearly not. No. Yeah, I wonder, and I wonder like how they got them to take that, you know? Because Marcus was nineteen. Yeah, I wonder if they crushed it up and put yeah, it in his drink it up or something. And, yeah, mix it into something. Or don't they That's have? I, I think, think they have liquid Benadryl too, so they could have even like yeah put that in true. their smoothie or something. They may have never known. Yeah. Yep. Officer Slates said that Sarah would have likely been, quote unquote, intoxicated due to the amount she had taken, and the kids would have more than likely been unconscious or asleep. It's like, that's so sad, but also, like you said, maybe it's better that they hopefully didn't didn't suffer. Yeah. And the fear you must have felt seeing your mom do that. Yep. 
In addition to these findings, an expert analysis of the Yukon's internal airbag deploying computer determined that the vehicle had been intentionally driven off the edge of the cliff from a standing stop, accelerating accelerating to 20 miles per hour in three seconds <gasps> with the throttle at 100%, 100% and the speedometer was pinned at 90 miles per hour. <gasps> and I will have pictures of the site on our Instagram, and it is not big. I mean, it's like a little loopy situation. Like, it's off the road. Like, it's an overlook, I guess. Okay. And it is not very big at all. Oh, wow. You're right. Like, you... How do you go from... Zero to 90 in, like, 20 seconds, probably? Or That's, like, not even just, I'm driving along the road, and all of a sudden, I have this awful urge and turn off the road that's like you're stopped and you're gonna go and kill your family family yeah on april 2nd 2018 mendocino county sheriff tom allman reported that quote i'm to the point where i'm no longer calling this an accident i'm calling it a crime good and an investigation was open into allegations of child abuse against jennifer and sarah hart he explained that a 14-panel jury had ruled unanimously that the two women deliberately drove off the 100-foot cliff with their children in tow, and they had actually found evidence that they researched murder-suicide prior to the incident. Oh, my God. My thing is, though, and I don't, and I'm not, like, taking up for anyone or trying to justify anyone, but, like, how do we know that Sarah knew what was going to happen? True. Like, I feel like if she had the drugs in her system, it yeah, almost would make true. me think that she didn't. Like, she wasn't a part of it, necessarily. Yeah. And obviously, we don't know that, and she very well could have been. And obviously, she was being a part of all of the neglect that was going on. Right. But maybe she was a victim, too. Like, I don't know. I don't know. She could have been. So, it's really interesting that you're covering this case because the case that i'm covering in two weeks is about a mother who without giving too much away abused neglected her children and thankfully the children were not killed but other people were killed and her husband was totally involved in all of it but at the same time you could see he was also a victim yeah. So it was like, yes, he was responsible for a lot of it, but he was also being manipulated and yeah. abused himself by her. So it could have been a similar situation where she was involved in that type of stuff, but because she was being abused and manipulated herself, like we just yeah. don't know, but very well could be the case. Right. And that's, and I, I don't know why, but like, I really do feel like that is potentially what happened in this case now yeah you know they did rule that she was yeah she was to blame just as much and you know we don't know we just don't know it's hard to know and it's hard to say either way without having more information like you don't want to blame her if she wasn't but also if she was you don't want to let her off so it's hard hard to say yeah yeah because she could have been a victim too yeah so the biological mother of Devante, Sierra, and Jeremiah, Sherry Davis, spoke to the uh, Oregon, Oregon Alive, OregonAlive.com, Jesus, 
and stated that there's one last thing that she would like to do for her babies. She hopes to one day be able to bring their bodies back to Texas where she'd like to bury them somewhere close to her so she can visit them. I know. I can't imagine finding out that your babies were killed in, in not your care. Yeah. And, you know, again, like I said, she had a drug problem. She was working really hard from what I understand to get clean so she could get her kids back. And the foster care system just failed these kids miserably. Yeah. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. So Marcus, Hannah, and Abigail's biological mother, Tammy Shurick, didn't learn of her children's death until October of 2018. <gasps> so basically like six months after the fact. How? Because... In the state of Texas, CPS does not have to notify you of anything. Okay, come so on. So she had re- she had relinquished her rights due to neglect. Um, and I won't go into all that. If you want to look it up, you can. That's up to you. But so at that point, she basically doesn't exist in those children's lives anymore. Okay. So, unfortunately, that's that's the law. But your kids were murdered. It, this yeah. isn't a typical, like, even like, oh, they're in the hospital or something like that. Your kids were murdered. Yeah. And she actually spoke out against the injustices of children in foster care. She said, quote, the number one thing that bothers me about how we conduct business in foster care is that we've lost key concepts like human humanity and dignity. We're prioritizing compliance and the needs of bureaucracy and accountability. Judges and attorneys representing the state rarely considered the emotional impact of the life-altering decisions that happen in family court, both on the parents and the children themselves. Heck yes. Like, thank you for speaking out. Yeah. So, that is the sad case of the Hart family murders. Um... You know, I can only keep their biological parents in my prayers and my thoughts because, like I said, I would have the most guilt. I would not be able to live with myself knowing that this potentially could have been prevented. Not that I'm blaming them at all because they did not they did not do this to their those kids. But I just can't imagine what they must be going through. I would just. I have to crawl out of my skin daily, you know? Yeah. But, you know, we want to remember the victims, you know, and and what they endured. No child should ever, ever, ever have to endure. And Mm -hmm. I will link sources in the show notes. Um, If you are a victim of abuse, if you have witnessed abuse, there are so many resources out there. Do not be afraid to come forward. Do not be afraid to get help for yourself or for someone else yeah um because this i mean it it could have been prevented i think but at the same time i think they also had people incredibly fooled yeah i think so too 
And, you know, the family, the neighbors, they did the right thing. But unfortunately, it was just too late. Yeah. So I will, like I said, I will post pictures and anything I can of these beautiful. And they were. Every single one of them is just absolutely darling. They have the biggest smiles. The, you know, despite what they were going through, they seem to have kept you know, a positive demeanor as best as they could, which I'm sure a lot of it was, you know, they had to, but yeah. I just, uh, this case, I've heard, I heard this case before on, I don't even remember some other, I think, oh, and there's also a documentary called Broken Hearts. I think it's on Prime. Okay. I watched that. It's really sad. And there's a lot of good people talking out about how specifically black children are under, or not under, overlooked in the foster care system and you know i'm all for like you can adopt whoever you want to adopt but you know in the in the documentary they were definitely saying like they wish that either the aunt could have adopted them or another black family because it's just cultural you know like you just yeah it's a cultural thing and like the way they kind of depicted the hearts as exploiting their children for right. fame almost yeah they it and i, feels I like really they were. yeah i really think that they did and it that's why i don't really believe her allegations about feeling threatened or threatened, yeah whatever and i i looked it up to remind myself and that picture of the hug you cannot mm-hmm. tell me that that was he's not terrified yeah like yeah he's not he's, he's not 15 in that, that picture too 15 he looks like he's 10 or maybe he was 12. Just kidding. He was 12 in that picture. Okay. But he was he was 15 when he passed away. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, no. Like, you can't tell me that he was doing that to make himself feel better. No. That's not okay. No. Absolutely not. That's so heartbreaking. And I feel so bad for those kids. And I do, too. I just hope they're resting peacefully and that their moms aren't. <laughs> like. Yeah. They're adoptive moms, yeah. Adoptive moms, sorry, yes. Right, right, yeah. But that's all I have for you guys today. Um, Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep it human. Bye.